and I was so excited. I was like, hello, barman, lovely man. Can I come and make one, please? Because that's my brand. And um, take out the ringleader before the event. When you say take them out, do you mean like, like take them out? As in, no, as in like... <laughs> and I'm so envious that we didn't come up with that before then because I think it's so brilliant. I can't hide behind one sip Steph anymore, behind drunk Steph that would just be confident because of the alcohol and the liquid courage. Say thank you and good night, get home safe. See ya and go home. Always gonna that old piss off. Oh, can I say that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've said it now. Um Hi and welcome to the session podcast, home of Spirited Conversation. I'm your host, Brad Crompton, and I'm the co-founder of Session Spirit by Spirit of Bermondsey. I'm really pleased to welcome Steph Ellswood to the studio today. Uh, so Steph is a health and wellness entrepreneur, uh, founder of Carew's Drinks. She's um, a member of the Mental Health Collective, founder of Dry Disco. And I think I would do you any dis- I'd do you a disservice by trying to explain everything that you do and all the things you have going on because it just seems to be so much. Today, we're going to delve into the modern drinking culture. We're going to learn a bit more about the current health and wellness issues and, and sort of where that fits within today's society. And of course, for the main event, we're going to delve into Carew's Drinks, learn more about it, where it fits into the market, hopefully have a good conversation. And um, so let's jump in. So, Steph, welcome to the session. Thank you for having me. You've been making headlines over, you know, the past well, number of years, especially sort of in the last three or four, since so sort of post-lockdown, you seem to have really just taken off. Uh, you know, you've been featured in women's health, uh, women's fitness, you've been running events, workshops, brand partnerships. Uh, must be exhausting, but also quite quite fulfilling. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I absolutely love it. It's never a career path that I kind of planned for myself, and I definitely fell into the industry and into the space. Um, but every day is different, and the opportunities just keep getting bigger and better and more exciting, and I think I'm really, really grateful for that. And you can see, because I think you have a very personable brand as well. Thank you. So it comes across as very authentic, very kind of like true to yourself, and it's, it's really nice to see that it doesn't seem to be forced a lot of people online now who kind of forcing their way into the diff- different areas mm. but with you it just seems to be a natural progression into this space because and, and then to the next project and they all seem to tie together quite nicely thank you yeah i think i am as surprised as anyone else when these opportunities come up so i try and show that excitement and it's not something that i expect i think i've just it's something that started my social media career started as a hobby um and something to help me recover from an eating disorder so now the fact that it is my part of my full-time career um, and it is something that has grown and scaled as I'd like to think that I have grown and scaled as a person. Um, it's nice to know that that comes across as authentic because when I started there wasn't really that kind of holy grail person that I aspired to be like. It's something I completely fell into um, and yeah it's, it's such an exciting industry. It's an ever-moving industry and I like to think that every venture and project that I've launched since starting this social media path um, has just been like an extension of my own personal journey. Um, And that's something that I'm really, again, really grateful for. So there's one area of your journey that we're gonna really look into today. Mm -hmm. Um, One which excites me as well, which is the Carew's drinks. Yeah. So to me is a bit of a game changer and alcohol-free drinks have always been an option for people, right? Whether it's an alcohol alternative or something else. I did a bit of background reading on sort of why you launched it and, and why it's different. Now, I won't 
Take Your Thunder. I'll let you go into that and, and explain why it's different. But I think it's really interesting how you focus on additional benefits rather than just alcohol removal. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really key. Let's talk about the two products you have initially. If we start with the Carew's Drift. Mm-hmm. Was that your, the first one you created? We actually launched two flavours in two sizes at launch, um, which was earlier this year. Um, but they're two completely, like, like you mentioned, they're two completely different flavours. So we do have drift in both the 200ml and the 500ml size. Um, the 200ml is completely preservative free, um, but it, my tummy just rumbled. Sorry, did you hear that? <laughs> we did, yeah. Oh my God, that was so loud. I'm so sorry. Staying in, by the way. Yeah. Oh my God. I literally didn't have breakfast on the way. <laughs> so my tummy's like, Rrr. anyway. Um, yeah. So in terms of drift, I the main questions I've got asked throughout my sobriety journey is what do you do on a Friday night to wind down after a long week? Like this is a where I'd usually, people asking me would say, this is where I'd usually have a glass of wine or a gin and tonic to wind down to kind of detach from work or life or whatever. Um, And then on the other side, it was, what do you drink before pre-drinks? So I wanted to create something that would kind of replicate that feeling of opening a bottle of wine, feeling that like glug, 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 glug moment, um, and then having that kind of flavour and benefit of feeling like you're winding down after a long week. So that's how Drift was born. We kind of market it as Drift into relaxation, the combination of different plant-based extracts, adaptogen ingredients, um, fruit extracts, and also the flavor itself have all been carefully curated to give you that feeling of relaxation. Um, And that's something that we fine tuned over time and the combination of like goji berries and summer fruits and cucumber. And we wanted something that at the core of it, tasted delicious. Not only looked and felt luxurious and felt um, more premium than say a squash or a cordial, but less than an ex-alcoholic alternative. We wanted something that tasted delicious, either on the rocks over ice, which with a lot of non-alcoholic spirits you can't enjoy because they've been designed to be mixed with something. Or you can have it mixed with maybe a lighter mixer of soda water or tonic or something like lemonade, as well as being mixed and having an asset within a cocktail as well. Um, and that's something that we went through a long development process with. And you have ashwagandha in that one, right? Which yes. is known for its ability to relax you and sort of almost calm anxiety and that yeah. sort of thing. So that's, is that quite a key ingredient in there? Yeah, I'd say that's a key ingredient as well as like the echinacea, the goji berry. We've also got um, basil in there, cucumber coming through. But I think in terms of the main ingredient that aids in that relaxation is definitely the ashwagandha um it's not something that's got a strong flavor profile i'd say probably the summer fruits and the cucumber come through a lot more but what's so interesting is depending on what you mix it with um different elements are heightened and that's been that's been really um really interesting in the explorative process of how we are actually recommending to serve it and i think everyone has their own favorite combination which is really nice and then you have uplift on the other side of the spectrum yes so that's uh designed to help sort of energize you and kind of bring you up yeah i think so and also like a completely different flavor profile um so one thing that was at our core for the brand was not wanting to replicate a gin a whiskey a vodka i think there's amazing brands on the market and when we kind of launched um there were a lot of up-and-coming brands that were trying to replicate 
those already existing spirits. I think for, for me, I just wanted to create something that was just a delicious drink that was an alternative to alcohol um, and fusing the kind of nootropic adaptogen ingredients with that came hand in hand. So with the flavours of Uplift, it's ginger, chilli, um, citrus fruits. And not only does it have ingredients in it like ginkgo biloba, maca, um, that would help to energise you. The feeling, something we worked so hard for was actually the mouthfeel. So in the sense of when you drink it, you get the initial flavour of the citrus fruits and the ginger, but then you get a natural warmth from the chilli extract that comes through that does replicate that feeling of alcohol. You know, that soft burn when you're like, oh, yeah, this is working. I'm, I'm starting yeah, to the like, bite. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. And that was actually so hard because... We actually developed um, and signed off on the recipe for Uplift before Drift. There was a bit more tweaking with Drift. However, when we came to place um, our ingredients order, the chilli extract that we initially used was discontinued. And every time we tried to replicate it like for like with a different one, it changed the complete complexity of the drink. So the balance of everything was completely off. So even though it was technically the same extract, but from a different supplier, it was completely different. So we ha had to go back and that gentle warmth, not like a burn, that gentle warmth of uplift was something that I really wanted to get right. So we actually then, six months to a year later, redeveloped the entire recipe to just renego renegotiate all of those balances. Yeah, I think the warmth, because it's probably the most, the punchier effect, mm. you would then really see if it wasn't quite correct. Yeah. If it's the one which stands out the most. Yeah, and I think because the two flavours are complete polar opposites, one's fruity, a little bit sweeter, and then the other one's more, not savoury, but that's the only way I can really describe yeah. it. Um, it really does replicate those two different moods and everyone has a favourite. And it's really exciting to see people try it for the first time and to find out which one's their favourite and what combination of mixer or whether you have it straight over ice and... I think that's what I really enjoy, getting people to try it for the first time, hearing their feedback. And usually I'd get them to try it without telling them the flavours and ask them to guess it because people pick up on different different things and different elements. And they zone into it, don't they? They really try to, you know, to focus on, on the taste profile yeah. effect and therefore they just enjoy it more because they, they're more aware of, of the benefits. I think so. And it goes back to that kind of that adult mouth feel. We wanted to have those different layers of flavours yeah. so that, on first instance, you're like, oh my God, yeah, that tastes like ginger to me. And then it kicks in and then you feel those different elements and it makes it more exciting than just going out and having a lemonade or a ginger beer and feeling almost like an afterthought. Yeah, and I think the layering is just, it, it just shows it's a, a quality product because like, like you said, a lot of alcohol-free products, they're very kind of linear. Just, you, you drink yeah. them, okay, that's the taste. I kind of get it fine. Mm -hmm. But with yours, it seems that journey and experience, which kind of unravels as you drink it. There's one thing you said before, which I want to come back to, which I really like. And it's um, you're not trying to replicate the alcohol, the gin, mm -hmm. whiskey. And I think that's really important because a lot of alcohol free brands, it's almost paradoxical because they try and replicate the very thing they're trying to remove. Mm -hmm. And you have a huge opportunity now to create something new, not try to, to build something that already exists without the main feature mm -hmm. and then what you're left with is just kind of the, the the taste which will surround the main benefit of alcohol whereas what you've done is you've gone okay well fine people need to have an alcoholic free drink which benefits them in different ways and you've actually gone against the grain i think you said you t you've taken nootropics and adaptogens from the kind of uh, the energy drink and gaming industry where they're very very prominent mm -hmm. for their benefits 
and you pour that into an alcohol-free drink, which allows people to experience more than taking things away. It's actually adding yeah. things into that to that experience. I think that was definitely a conscious choice as well. So I personally never used to go out and drink a vodka soda because I liked the taste. I went out to drink a vodka soda because I wanted to get wasted and I wanted to get drunk and I wanted to feel that kind of escape from reality Mm. so for me when I went alcohol free I was never like oh my god I really fancy a shot of tequila so I wanted to create something that was just a delicious drink with benefit rather than like for like and I think it's the same as I've I've been plant-based for a long time now and for me I don't look for meat alternatives like just because I don't eat anymore I don't actually like the taste of meat anymore so I don't want to eat a burger that replicates meat and I know a lot of people do whilst they're transitioning so for example if you are new to the sober space and you're so overwhelmed by the options on the market and you're used to winding down with a gin and tonic then that is probably the right thing for you to start with Mm -hmm. I remember when I first went plant-based I would change it like for like if ever I was eating I don't know like a bolognese I would just change it for like plant-based mints whereas now I'd probably opt for chickpeas or beans because there's different health benefits there's different flavors my cravings my taste buds have changed and I think there is the need for both like some people will want like for like whiskey gin whatever but they wouldn't come to us I think also people who have had an actual issue with alcohol in terms of a reliance to it changing it like for like might still create the same neural pathways in your brain of wanting to drink alcohol whereas if it's a completely different flavor combination it might help you within that transitional period and I think that's what's so exciting about Cruise is it's really not trying to be an alcoholic drink it's just trying to be a premium feeling luxury luxurious looking delicious beverage that you can drink whether you drink alcohol or not and I think that's something that I'm really proud of and something that we took a long time to develop and process. You can tell there's so much research behind it because I think just in that one segment of a conversation, you pulled out one thing I hadn't even thought of, which was people who do have an alcohol dependency, mm-hmm. if they were to transition to alcohol-free, most people would probably say, yeah, we'll just drink alcohol-free gin, right? Mm-hmm. But I never thought about that in, in, in the way that if they're drinking alcohol-free gin and it tastes a bit like gin, Yes, they're getting the health benefits physically, but mentally, they're still thinking, well, I'm, it's, I'm drinking a gin, I'm still kind of having the gin. Mm-hmm. And then... Well, there's that research, isn't there? Like, I've seen also, there's obviously the scientific research, but I've seen TikToks of boys pranking their friends when on a night out, they put them on their alcohol-free beers all night, mm. but they still feel drunk. Like, because the person drinking those alcohol-free beers doesn't know they're alcohol-free. They're getting the same flavour, the same, like, head on the top of the beer and all of those things that actually they're feeling drunk throughout the night. And then at the end of the video, when they say, mate, you've been on zero, zero, it's this weird feeling and you can visibly see them being like, what? But I feel drunk. That's so weird. So how much of that is actually programmed in our minds as well as getting us drunk? So for me, I think that was definitely a conscious decision because I wanted there to be an option on the market that didn't replicate anything. And I think there's more coming up, which is exciting. Um, Because one thing for me as well, when I was trying these alcohol-free alternatives in my early days of sobriety, they're definitely tailored to I don't want to say like an older palette, but they're more botanical and more herbal and and floral than I would probably want from a drink. They try and make up for that lack of... Yeah, I think so. And I think I just really wanted something that I could sit and drink all night rather than just having one and that be done, that be me done. Um, Something that I really enjoy and I return for the taste again and again and again. I want to touch on dry disco as well, because that's something which I think links very, very well. And it's something I think is very, very interesting. So... So you partnered with Mini Gooch, didn't you, to launch Dry Disco? Mm-hmm. 
So can you tell me a bit more about what Dry Disco is and how it how it came to be and, and the experience of hosting Dry Disco? Yeah, so I know earlier I mentioned that I've literally fallen into every industry that I've gone into and this is like prime example. So in 2017, I started a series of empowerment events for women surrounded by dance. So I trained as a professional dancer my entire life, worked in the industry for a while. Um, and then I wanted to lead these events to empower women to feel confident, seen, heard, celebrated through the power of dance. Um, and that's been going for a long time and it's been a beautiful experience and we still do them now. And it's it's been such a transformative journey for many women, including myself. And Millie, around the same time, launched a platform called Sober Girl Society. And again, it was about empowering women with their choices around alcohol. And obviously your sobriety journey can be extremely lonely. So she built this incredible community of women that don't want to drink alcohol. So she'd been on my radar for a while. When I first decided to go sober, she actually sent me her book, which was really helpful during that time. And I think in a way, like I was a bit of a fangirl of what she did and the community she'd built. So in my mind, I'd always wanted to do kind of a stay sassy ex sober girl society event and kind of loads of people would say to me like I'd love the idea of going sober but all my friends love going clubbing and I just know I wouldn't have the confidence to dance so I thought it would just be the perfect collaborative event and so I remember I got a zoom call in the diary with her November of last year and the initial intention was just to pitch this collaboration event and then she was like yeah that sounds amazing like what kind of venue are you thinking and also in my mind I'd always loved the idea of doing a stay sassy in a club and so I said to her I was like oh well obviously this is a long-term goal like we can work towards that but for this one maybe we just do like a town hall or something like I wasn't really too sure of how it was going to go and she was like oh I've actually got a contact at the Ministry of Sound <laughs> I was like yeah yeah all right okay let's look into that then amazing so we went for a walkthrough of the venue and we thought we could just kind of hire the main club room just do a couple of hours do the the dance element and then maybe Millie leads a panel talk or does a motivational speech for all the girls that attend but it turns out if you hire the Ministry of Sound you don't just hire one room you hire like all seven so we kind of looked at each other and it was like we either go big or we find another venue and both of us were just with such big dreamers and very much like say yes now and think it out later so we committed and just decided that instead of doing this small collaboration event we'll put on a day festival for women where they can take all of these skills and meet new people and everything that would contribute to a positive sober lifestyle so we had a room for breath work we had a pamper lounge to show that you can pamper yourself and wind down after a long week without alcohol we had stay sassy workshops we had panel talks with um body positive female confidence speakers as well as people that had been through the AA system and just to really give people tools that they come to the event and then come away with all of this skill set and we welcomed 300 women to the first dry disco event um, we came up with the name again we were just on calls being like no we can't call it stay sassy x sober girl because it's more than that now it's an actual entity of its own so I remember we were sat and we'd googled every synonym for alcohol and every synonym for party and we'd made this big spreadsheet and then we were just kind of like pairing words together and dry disco just worked so we went away and we put it on and it was such an incredible day and I don't think we realised how much like 300 plus people was going to be in that space. And when we saw it, it was really overwhelming. We had like circus dancers on stilts upon arrival. We had people dressed as disco balls dancing in the main room. And every person that learnt the dance, we then did a flash mob at the end of the day where everyone did the same dance at the same time to the same song. There was a confetti cannon. There were 
dancers with ribbons and lights and it was such an empowering day and we thought no we can't just do this once this has to be a series moving forwards that absolutely yeah sounds incredible we can take to different clubs and and so we've got our christmas event coming up on the 2nd of december and it's going to be a similar format but with nuances and changes per room but again to really hone in on that community event making friends in the space and also being proud to be sober or sober curious rather than it be demonized or associated with you having an alcoholic problem um so yeah sorry for that spiel but it's something that has been so exciting and another venture that has just fallen into my lap as part of my own personal journey yeah, no, honestly, spiel away, because that's so <laughs> nice to hear. And, and um, am I right in thinking that sold out in a few days? Yeah, we sold out really, really quickly. Um, and I think we've we've kind of launched the tickets for the Christmas event, but no one's thinking about Christmas yet. Yeah. So we have yeah. sold like half of the tickets, but we're hoping to have bigger capacity, more people there, more opportunity and more downtime for women to actually converse with other women. Um, and we're, we're really, really excited about it. Amazing. Cool. Okay, so I'm gonna. I've got a few uh, a few quick fire questions for you. Okay. So um, I think the first one ties in really nicely with what you just said. So, who has supported you most in your movement to go sober? Oh God, that's a really good question. I think I was really certain within myself, so I think I was very much part of that journey, which I'm really really proud of. But I think my partner was was really supportive because where a lot of my friends were like, oh, don't be boring, just have one to begin with. My partner was like, yeah, don't worry, you don't need to drink. And was just really supportive through that. Um, and I think also people like Millie, who I didn't necessarily know, but looked up to, definitely played a role within that whole process as well. Because the first time you tried going sober was on holiday with your partner, right? Yeah. So I kind of set myself, it was never like, I'm going to be sober forever. It was more so, we're going away for three weeks on a trip of a lifetime. Alcohol isn't feeling right within me and my lifestyle at the moment. This is a perfect opportunity to set myself the challenge of being alcohol free for the full time. So I did. And it was kind of that like three week, 30 day challenge. It was amazing in a holiday environment, but did I feel well rested, alert and happy because I was in Bali or was it because of the removal of alcohol? So then I came back to the UK and said, OK, I'm going to do the same again. 30 day challenge, alcohol free, but in a UK environment. And again, I felt all the same benefits. So it was just really it was never I am an all or nothing person, but it was never this. I'm going sober and if I fail, then I'm going to go back to drinking loads of alcohol. It was like, I'm going to see how this goes if I slip up or want to drink. I'll honour that, but this is where I'm at right now and this is how I'm going to kind of play out my journey. And I've not looked back since. Yeah, I think that kind of all or nothing approach where if you fail once and you give up mm. is is, a, is an issue. A lot of people, not just in alcohol, but in, in loads of realms. So I think mm -hmm. being able to be a bit fluid and accepting of that if that happens, and it's okay because it's mm. very hard to just to cut things off like you've always known immediately, whether it's going plant-based, whether it's going sober whether it's a fitness regime we're all gonna at some point trip over and being able to say look that's fine just keep on the path and you'll be okay is quite a good message I think yeah and I think you learn more from what goes wrong than what goes right hmm. so for me like if I was to have slipped up with alcohol what was the reason for that was I feeling low self-esteem in a social environment where my friends peer pressuring me and you can almost analyze those situations more so I think when things go wrong it's actually amazing because you learn so much from it yeah. And that's something that I've had to kind of reprogram in my mind the more things have gone wrong in recent years. What's your favourite cocktail with curries? 
Oh, that's such a good question. And that's um, you to choose between your two favourite children. I know. I've, I feel like you can't really choose. I, I am a drift girl through and through. My partner's an uplift man. He loves it. My dad's a drift man. Um, drift with lemonade is my favourite combination. It is if I'm thinking about a weekend drink where I'm just sat watching TV or sat having dinner, that is my go-to. Over ice with a little wedge of lime. But we've been developing a lot of cocktails recently with them both. And there was one in particular that was a cherry sour and it had a cherry puree in it. It had fresh lime juice. It had drift. And I can't explain it, but it just enhanced every single flavour of drift. I think it had um, aguafaba in it as an egg white replacement. So it had like a bit of a froth on it. I could not get enough of this cocktail. We've actually posted it on our Instagram and it is so delicious that it just enhanced every layer of the flavour of drift. And I was obsessed. What do you call it? A cherry sour. Cherry sour. Cool. Yeah. Okay, perfect. What's been your biggest Carew's achievement? Oh, I think getting it to market was really exciting. Uh, Dry Disco was actually the week before we launched. And on the back bar of the Ministry of Sound, we had all of the bottles lined up, which looked incredible. It was the first time kind of getting liquid on lips of consumers that were outside of my friends and family. And that, to me, was a huge surreal moment. Seeing people go up to a bar in a club and say, can I have a cruise and lemonade was amazing um but recently outside of that we sponsored the be creator awards at the camden roundhouse there were hundreds of guests in this epic venue and i went up to the bar and they made a cocktail with drift um and i was so excited i was like hello barman lovely man can i come and make one please because that's my brand and he just laughed and was like yeah of course and like got me behind the bar making these cocktails and seeing all of these creators and influencers and prs drinking the drinks as well was a really surreal feeling. So I think the main achievement is just seeing it in real life after it took two years to develop, plan and market. So yeah, really, really happy with it. And what was your biggest fear when you started Dry Disco? <laughs> no one would turn up. I think because it was such a new venture, we'd committed so much in terms of like the overheads of the venue. To hire a venue of that caliber and that size is not cheap. So I think once we'd put the deposit down and we'd kind of paid with shaking hands, <laughs> um, I think our biggest fear that was no one would come. Um, but luckily that didn't happen. So yeah, we definitely proved that fear wrong. I love the whole go big or go home. Just yeah. Go for it, figure it out afterwards. Yeah, I, I think so. So a lot of people might turn to alcohol to relieve social anxiety you know mm -hmm. I think before you mentioned around dancing and will people dance if they're not drunk and mm -hmm. so what would be your advice to people who typically drink socially to avoid social anxiety and how would you guide them into going alcohol free with that barrier? I think first and foremost if you can get passed through like the first round of drinks or the first hour of an event those nerves settle because one everyone around you is drinking and they ease into conversations easier anyway and two, I just I just noticed this moment that when you get past that first round of drinks and you feel confident within yourself and your choices, that you just settle into the environment. But I do think that, I mean, I was guilty of it. I would go to an event and if I felt nervous, I'd have a glass of champagne as a prop if that was on offer. I would sip it and I'd like feel myself relaxing and easing. But you can learn tools on how to do that. Like one thing about my sobriety journey that I'm so grateful for is the confidence it's given me because now I know who I am at my core. Like I can't hide behind one sip Steph anymore, behind drunk Steph that would just be confident because of the alcohol and the liquid courage. I think I've had to work on my self-belief to the extent that I know that's a foundation that I can go to events. And yeah, sure, I still feel awkward sometimes. And I'm like, I personally hate small talk. 
I'd, I'd rather get down to like the nitty gritty of the things that make you tick and find out more about you as a person. And there are moments when I do feel extremely anxious and nervous. But every time I do that, I'm outside of my com- comfort zone and it gets easier over time. So I think if you go out and your first night, um, if you go out for your first night sober and you do feel uncomfortable, I just urge you to try it again because it does get easier over time and you learn more about yourself. You learn more about what you tolerate in terms of social environments. Like I've got such set boundaries now with what I say yes to. And also you learn about when you're done of an evening. I know we obviously get hangovers from alcohol, but you can also get hangovers from people's energy. And I know that there's occasions now where if I'm in a conversation that I don't like in terms of, I don't know, people bitching or just being negative, I now have the consciousness to either walk away or just like change the subject politely, never be like, I'll never make a thing of it like this is this is not my energy because I think you can come across like a dick if you come, if you say that. <laughs> but just being really, really aware of myself and my core values. And I think just be excited by that. Like every time you're out of your comfort zone, whether it is in a self-conscious environment or not, that's gonna grow in every avenue of your life. Like if you can go to a social environment, show up as yourself, hold yourself confidently, Who's to say that you can't do that in a dating environment or in a work environment asking for a promotion or a pay review? And I think so much good comes from those. So much good comes from that discomfort. Yeah, I did 75 day hard mm-hmm. last year, which um, is actually 75 days of no alcohol, gym twice a day and a few other challenges. And I did it. So I very rarely go um, fully sober. I like mm-hmm. to moderate. And I, I had two weddings to go to mm. during that time. You know, like, And there are little things that um, I think you can do to help. So I made sure I drove. Yeah. So I thought, well, I can't drink because I'm driving and I have other people I'm driving too. So I'm now responsible for getting those home as well. But you said before around, you know when your night is done. Mm-hmm. And I really relate to that because you get to like 10 p.m. and you think, I've been here for four hours. Mm-hmm. I've spoken to everyone, I've had a good time. I feel like it's, I'm, I'm ready to go home. Whereas if I was drinking, I'd stay out until I was told to leave yeah. or dragged home, you know. So, and then of course the next day, that's an extra four hours, five hours of just being awake, let alone drinking and consuming things. So, do you ever miss alcohol at all? Um, there's pockets of moments that I miss the experiences that come with alcohol. For example, if um, my friends recently went for a wine tasting for their birthday, and obviously I didn't go to that because it was obviously drinking wine and it was like meat and cheese. So I'd literally just be sat there doing absolutely nothing so I think I miss the environment of maybe everyone tasting a wine bonding over that or whatever um and sometimes it is around the kind of early hours of a party night when everyone's kind of getting that bubbly tipsy feeling and I think oh I don't have that right now like I would love to be able to relate to how you're feeling right now but never enough to make me drink alcohol I think I'm just so set in my choice and so proud of my choice um that I just don't miss, I just don't miss it at all. I'm quite glad you said that really, because I feel like a lot of people might think if I go sober, then that's it. And I'm, I, I need to not miss it. And it's very important that I block that out. Mm. But I think being able to, to appreciate that sometimes it can be difficult. Or sometimes you do wish you had that feeling. Mm-hmm. And again, that's okay. And you just need to evaluate what you would miss more. Mm-hmm. It's that feeling or tomorrow morning yeah it's so true and I, I even get it with like meat now like I can see someone eating like a big juicy steak and it smells amazing because I was a meat eater for like 22 years maybe more and I'll see that and be like oh that looks banging and I'll be like good for you 
but good for me too because I don't want that like I can appreciate how much you are going to enjoy that steak but it's not for me and I think that's what I've managed to replicate in drinking environments as well like I love that you are getting tipsy and having an amazing time I'm going to dance with you but I'm not going to drink that drink and I think my friends now respect that I now respect that decision within myself and like you said it's just led to not wasting any time like the choices that I make in a sober mind are choices that align with my key ethos whereas choices that I made within my drunk mind are so against my ethos in terms of maybe my food choices how much I sleep in the next day how much I move the next day or how little I move the next day um and I think it's just helped me really explore who I am as a person and that is a huge benefit of sobriety how would you advise someone who wants to drink less, moderate, go sober, but have friends who are peer pressuring them to, you know, have one more, don't be boring, come out with us, stay, stay later. How do you advise someone uh, around that barrier? Um, take out the ringleader before the event. So, for example, say you meet your friends every Friday. When we say take them out, do you mean like, like take them out? As in- no, as in like, say you meet every Friday at a pub and you've always got that friend that's like leading the drinks, leading the rounds, being a little bit more vocal about it. Message them prior to that event reason with them prior to that event so that you don't feel nervous about going and having to explain it in a live environment where they they go to the bar, order you a drink and it's got alcohol in it. I think just really being honest, a lot of the choices that I'm realising um, from the people around me that are trying to moderate their alcohol consumption more is around mental health, around anxiety, around hangovers, around health concerns. So if you were to message that person and be like, look, I love spending time with you. You're one of my favourite people. We always have an amazing time. But right now, I'm dabbling with the idea of drinking less alcohol. On Friday when I see you, I'm probably not going to be drinking. I feel like girls have to justify this, but like, no, I'm not pregnant. But this is my choice. And I'd really, really, really like it if you respected that. And if they say no, (laughs) they'll just come across as a dick. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think you just have to really... You want to hang out with anyway, right? Exactly. And I think just articulating that... Sometimes it is easier. Like I think tech is amazing in many ways, obviously at detriment to human connection and personal conversation. But sometimes you can use it in the right way to hide behind that screen a little bit, really share your truth. So then in person, it does feel a little bit easier to do that. And I think there is always like a ringleader or like the hardest nut to crack in a friendship group. So if you articulate it to them or the friendship group prior to going, it will just be easier. It's set expectations in their minds of how you're going to show up gives you that little bit of confidence to know that they are already aware of the situation and like you said you can then drive you can then when you get there you also have nothing to prove I think for my first years of sobriety I would go out and be like I have to be the fun sober one I have to stay out until 4am in the morning to prove to my friends that I am still the same person I am still fun I'm still a hoot and a half and they're not going to judge me now I'm like, if I can make it to 12, wow, it's been a good night. Like I know in myself, I'm not going to push past the point of being tired just to prove to other people that I'm having a good time. Like if I've had a good time, I feel comfortable in the sense that I can then take myself away, say thank you and good night, get home safe, see ya and go home. And I think that's something that you will learn throughout this explorative journey as well. And it might look different every night. There might be some nights when you want to stay out until 4am sober. There might be nights when you want to go out and drink. There might be nights when you want to be in bed by 11. And all of those choices are okay because they're your choices. Hey guys, just wanted to take a quick break from the podcast to let you know about our drinks brand, Session Spirit. We've created the perfect spirit that allows you to enjoy the best of both worlds. It's a 25% spirit made with London Dry Gin. Why did we create a sessionable spirit? 
well, it allows you to reduce your hangovers and make a healthier choice while still enjoying an award-winning, full-tasting gin. It's also half the calories, vegan, gluten-free, and contains no carbs or sugars. Head over to www.sessionspirit.co.uk to grab your bottle and get £5 off with code PODCAST5. Okay, great. Let's get back to the pod. Okay, so we'll move on to the higher or lower. Higher or lower. Okay. So I've got three questions for you. I want you to guess. I'll give you a, a figure. Okay. I want you to guess if it's higher or lower, okay? I'm probably going to get all of these wrong. I actually think the opposite. Okay. <laughs> I reckon you'll do really well. <laughs> so the number of people who did dry January this year. Yeah. Do you think that was higher or lower than six million people? Ooh. I'd like to think it was higher. Alcohol-free or just no alcohol at all? Yeah. I'd like to think it was higher than that. Yeah, it was almost 9 million, <gasps> which is about 17% of the population, which is higher and higher every year. Yeah. So Imagine if they all bought careers. That'd be stunning. Basically. <laughs> um, okay, so every single year around New Year's, mm-hmm. uh, people will make a resolution. Mm-hmm. And... Obviously, we all know what they normally are, okay? But what do you think was higher? Do you think people prioritise mental health or physical health? I think they prioritise physical health. That's what I thought as well. Oh, is it mental health? It's now, yeah, mental health is now overtaking physical health in terms of people's priorities for the new year. That's an amazing statistic because I think there's so much diet culture around new year in terms of like everyone's been like I'm getting fit this year I'm losing the Christmas weight so the fact that it's now mental health related obviously not great in the sense that people feel the need to focus on their mental health but I think it's probably nice that it's shifted from body image to more internal work. yeah so it's about 45% of people said mental health and 39 said physical even though mental health has taken over physical I don't think that directly relates to increase of mental health issues per se i think people are now just taking the time to understand and say actually i should try and yeah improve this yeah and people are now starting to understand the benefits of doing so yeah more so than before okay cool and then the final one in a survey that asked people why they opted for no or low alcohol was the reason because i'm driving higher or lower than 25 percent um God, it's such a good excuse. I want to say higher. It was higher. It's 31%. So the most cited reason for drinking no or low was just to genuinely cut back, mm-hmm. which I think is what we can all relate to. But because I'm driving, that was 31%. And that, I think, is, a, is almost a gateway into the mass market because everyone at some point will probably be driving or yeah. have an early start the next morning or, or whatever. And I think that is a really good gateway into alcohol-free and no and low as a category it um says a lot about our society though doesn't it in the sense that a lot of people are more accepting to the fact their friend's driving rather than the fact their friend might be struggling with mental health issues or wanting to cut back from a certain substance um and i really hope over time that shifts and people are more welcoming and encouraging to the fact that maybe people don't want to drink as much and don't need an excuse to justify that yeah no i fully agree i'm I'm going to throw a curveball in there right now it's more of a rant about probably the industry as a whole mm-hmm. so the no and low space i think is widely or wildly confusing mm-hmm. especially if they're not in it 
like so yourself and I are in the drinks industry and even I find the no and low space confusing at times yeah and um you know, in, in recent research I only found out that to be fully classed as officially low alcohol you can't exceed 12 percent 12 percent is still quite high <laughs> yeah right so you know it's I think people who say well I'm going to go no no or, or low alcohol today or less alcohol today because I'm driving or because I want to cut back or for all the different reasons people might want to drink low alcohol it can creep up on you mm-hmm. you don't realize that and you know I think if you drank a few lower alcohol beers compared to full strength beers or alcohol free or lower alcohol cocktails which still have alcohol in them and you go it's fine because it's low and driving I think people just will rely on the fact it's low as their not get out of jail free card yeah but they'll rely on what it's low so it's fine but what is low yeah and they could still be over the, over the limit they could still be consuming more than they want to it could still affect them tomorrow done incorrectly it, they can land them in hot water they can get into a bit of trouble but it also might turn them off their journey to to moderate or to have a healthier balance because they think well i had low and i still feel the same without realizing they may have had, they might have even had one or two more low because they felt they had more room to have more drinks and then mm. they ended up being a bit more worse wear the next day yeah i think you're so right and i think it just comes down to the education around it and i hope that the low brands as well as our brand like we're so big on using our platform to share knowledge and expertise and and things like that and graphics around the sober sober curious space and i hope that the low alcoholic alternatives do the same yeah i think it's twofold as well i think brands and bars and venues need to make that information accessible yeah but also i think people need to be responsible for what they are consuming and if they are trying something new for the first time like you would do in any other situation you would research into it, you'd look mm-hmm. at it, you'd make sure that it's the first time I'm doing this, make sure I'm doing it, doing it correctly. So you actually, you know, you are responsible and accountable for your own actions. But then again, the, the industry and bars and brands need to make sure the information is, is easy for you to consume to make the right decision. Yeah, I And I think um, there's just so many gaps and moving parts right now, which I think will come in time and excited for that to come. But I think, uh, yeah, we're, we're getting there, but I think uh, it'll take a little while. Mm. That concludes higher or lower. One stat I did find yesterday, which I thought was super interesting and might be quite empowering for you. In a survey in 2022, like a big alcohol survey, the majority of people who have tried alcohol-free or no and low alcohol in the past 12 months are quite likely to drink it again. Whereas only 4% of people who haven't tried it said they might. So it seems that people who haven't tried it yet kind of have a bit of a, a barrier, a standoff approach to it. No, it's not for me. But those who do try it then say, actually, I'll, I'll try this again. Hmm. So it's almost once you can convert those kind of colder leads into trying it, how do you plan on getting the message out there around getting these people to try it for the first time? Just to, you know, just to try it, see what you think, hmm. and then go from there. Um, I think it's the approach. If I was here sitting saying all of the things that go wrong or all the things that are bad for you in alcohol, anyone that enjoys alcohol and how it makes them feel is going to be like, oh, piss off. Oh, can I say that? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've said it now. Um, But they wouldn't understand, do you know what I mean? Whereas I think if you were to be like, look, this is just a delicious drink, whether it's alcoholic or not, it tastes amazing. Try it and see what you think. And I think it's that kind of 
rather than preaching for a fully dry lifestyle, which is so dependent on your relationships, your upbringing, your family relationships, your work life. Like, it's so easy for me to sit here and be like, you should all go dry because I'm self-employed. I don't work in the city. I don't have to entertain clients. I don't have... My family aren't massive drinkers. My partner's not a massive drinker. Like, it would be so hard for someone whose entire life revolves around the pub or entertaining clients or alcohol, whatever. So I think encouraging more of a damp lifestyle is probably, one, more relatable to people, and two, will probably entice them more to trying it in the first place. And I think that's what I want my entire approach to be. I never want to come across as my life mission is to make everyone sober. My life mission is to make everyone conscious and to make sure the choices they're making are for themselves and not for societal pressures. And I think the more conversations I had like that, the more it will just plant a seed in someone's mind of asking themselves the questions, is this for me or is this for fear of not fitting in? And I think that's a constant question that we ask ourselves from school age all the way up until adulthood. Um, So I think it is definitely down to the approach and also down to the people sharing that approach. Um, and I'd, I'd like to think that this is just going to be a ripple effect. And and my kind of two pennies on it is I wonder if in years to come, the approach to alcohol will be the same as the approach to smoking. Like the science is there, the evidence is there, and whether you choose to consume it or not is down to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe the evidence will be more widely available, like with smoking. And I think even Ireland right now are exploring packaging on labels to educate people around alcohol same as on cigarette packets you have pictures of lungs to be like this is what yours could like people still smoke people still there's a still a huge smoking culture but the evidence and backing is there um so yeah that's how i think i see it transitioning but also just i never want to be a preachy person it would have made the back bars a bit less pretty i think so. maybe the labels it's on the back of the labels rather than the yeah. front yeah 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 <laughs> yeah no, i get that and i like i like i do really appreciate how your approach isn't sort of just alcohol so bad, wipe it out completely. Yeah. I think that probably is the reason people who haven't tried alcohol free are no, are no and low yet. That probably is the reason they're a bit kind of standoffish. I think it's because they have been almost pre- preached to by other brands mm. or people. And I think it is about balance, moderation, what fits in with your lifestyle, making the right decisions based on the information that is available to you, which should be more. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I think tre- treating people like adults and letting them yeah. make their own choices, I think, is really important. And that being said, adding in extra benefits to what they're drinking, like you have um, with your adaptogens and your nootropics, I think that is a really, a really key point. And I think one that sets you above most alcohol-free brands that I've ever heard of, tried or, I hope or so. seen. So, Thank yeah, you. no. So, mental health, mm-hmm. wellness, and balance are all really key things to you right um and you've just done a feature with women's health that i saw mm-hmm. talking about the, the benefits of um going alcohol free but both in a training perspective because obviously you're very active you work with lots of gym uh, gym brands and, and fitness brands but also with the the wider well-being perspective what would be your key benefit for each section so alcohol free in training and fitness but also in everyday life I think the one thing that kind of crosses over all of those different benchmarks, I guess, is consistency. With the removal from alcohol from my life, I feel like I'm more consistent with everything and also more in tune with everything. So, for example, 
I don't lose mornings or days to being hungover, so I'm more likely to train consistently. But I'm also more in tune with the fact, do I want to train today because I feel fit and active and ready or actually do I need a rest day today? And that's not a decision made based on alcohol consumption. It's not like, oh, I'm not training today because I'm too hungover for that. It's, oh, I'm not training today because actually I feel really sore and a little bit niggly and maybe it would be a detriment to my overall fitness if I were to train today. Mm. Or it's, I feel amazing. I was in bed by 12 last night, not hungover. I'm going to go on a run today. And I think it goes back to what I said about choices. Of a night out, say I was having a big night out with friends, it would get to the early hours of the morning, maybe like 1am, 2am, all of the kind of health conscious restaurants are probably closed. Mm. Most likely it's going to be a chippy, a pizzeria or a kebab shop. That's what I will eat at two o'clock in the morning, go to bed, wake up feeling rough, probably haven't drunk water since like 7pm the night before, I'm a little dehydrated raisin. We'll go and have a coffee to try and give me some kind of energy, dehydrate myself further. Maybe eventually I'll get around to drinking water. Oh, then it's breakfast. What should I have? Oh, greasy fry up. Do you know what I mean? It's like a knock on effect. Maybe I won't even see daylight that day. Um, all of these things that would contribute that I now know make me kind of stable throughout my mental health. That kind of choice is just not even on my radar because it's about survival, about, oh my God, I feel so rough. What can I do? What's the quick win? What's going to make me feel better? Whereas now, like I said, I'm so much more consistent. I'm so much more in tune with what makes me feel better. Those kind of routines, like we are creatures of habit and we we thrive off of routine. Even being self-employed, I set myself strict routines because I know that benefits me long-term. And I think within my sobriety journey, I've learned that too. There's actually a brand called Cleanco um, and their tagline is a life less wasted. And I'm so envious that we didn't come up with that before then because I think it's so brilliant. And I think that's one thing that I have received by taking away alcohol. I've gained so much time and time to do the things that I know benefit me, my mental and my physical health. Yeah, I saw that 42% of people below the age of 34 and over the age of 18 will regularly experience anxiety and question why they drink as a result. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, that's almost half of the population of, of younger people who experience sort of almost crippling anxiety of the back of alcohol, which can last a day or two, sometimes more, depending on how big the session was or how often you drank that week. That can just sort of throw you off your game completely in all aspects. And it's not just about not going to the gym or eating well. It's your work goes downhill. Relationships can, can be tense, you know, mm -hmm. and it's a... Uh, it can be quite quite hard and quite and quite intense. Yeah, I think anxiety is definitely one of the core reasons why I gave up alcohol in the first place. Like I'd have an amazing night out on the night and then it would be those kind of increased heart rate, anxious feelings the next morning. And I think that actually does go hand in hand with the rise of tech because obviously in our early years of, I don't know, late teens, we'd have a Kodak camera that we'd take out on night, nights out and upload the full album to Facebook, right? But like if we wanted to, we could delete it and like all that kind of stuff. Mm. Whereas now there's the rise of Snapchat and Instagram and everything is instant and it's 24 hours it's sometimes up there for. So I think if you were to wake up hungover, don't really have much memory from the night before and you wake up to being tagged in like 47 Instagram stories or Snapchat stories and it's all you doing things that you don't remember that leads to that anxiety feeling. And I, I remember seeing some stats around the reason why a lot of younger, the younger generation, especially like uni kids are not drinking, is down to the fact that they're worried about what evidence of that night is gonna be posted online for their friends, future employees or teachers to see. Mm -hmm. um, and I find it so interesting because I don't think we had those pressures growing up. 
And I think it's like a newfound pressure that just compounds the anxiety feelings that you, you kind of process the day after drinking. One thing we always try to sign off on the podcast is a, a quote which is meaningful to you mm-hmm. that you want to pass on. And I always try and bring one as well. To, so I'll start with mine. Okay. And then if you want to discuss it, great. If you want to just take it in, that's, that's cool too. And it's, if you get tired, learn to rest, not to quit. And I think that is quite apt for today's conversation as well. You know, um, everything that we do, whether it's a goal, a lifestyle change, is it's a journey. There's no real end point. You know, in terms of going sober, going plant-based, being sober is a lifelong target, right? It's a lifelong lifestyle. So people might think, oh, you know, I I did drink alcohol yesterday or I did eat a bit of meat or I did fall off the wagon. Why did, did that happen? Understand why that happened. If you need to rest, rest, but don't quit because mm-hmm. one slip up doesn't mean you failed. It's a lifelong journey with no end. Yeah. No, I think so too. And I think when you originally said think of a quote that you live by I thought of one quote but following on from what you've just said now is I think the inside of my mind is just like Pinterest quotes I just absorb everything and if I see something I like I'm like oh yeah I love that um and actually my dad is a very wise man and I've got a note on my phone whenever he says something wise whether he's quoted someone else or it's just a sentence he said I write it under this note called Mark's Remarks and I just add it to that and if ever I need a little pocket of wisdom I just read through some of those and I'm probably going to butcher how you actually say it but There is a reason why your windscreen is so much bigger than your rear view mirror, because where you're going is so much more important than where you've been. And I think when you're on an explorative journey like sobriety or trying to reduce that alcohol consumption, it's so easy to look back and be like, oh, but I did all of these things and I've embarrassed myself and everyone's going to remember me as this person. It doesn't matter because you can recreate that path and churn out a new path as and when you please and just remembering that that end result and also the journey itself is so much more important than where you started yeah I, I love that and I actually almost wrote down this morning for my quote is your future needs you more than your past yeah I guess so, it's the yeah. same thing so, yeah, yeah yeah Steph thank you again for coming on it's been tremendous getting to know you and your story and that is the end of the your first session appearance hopefully you'll come on again in the future please do uh, subscribe to the session Leave a review if you think it has helped you or added value to your life or do share with a friend you think this might help. Uh, Steph, any final words? Where, where can we buy Carews? What's coming up in the near future? Yeah, so um, you can get Carews from drinkcarews.com and you can buy our two sizes of our two flavours. Also on Instagram, it's just at drinkcarews where we send we share lots of assets and information. And then my personal socials, you can find it's just Steph Ellswood across YouTube, um, Instagram, LinkedIn. Thanks again for coming on. Amazing. Thank you. Hey, guys, if you enjoyed today's podcast, please give us a like, rate our show five stars, or go ahead and subscribe. So you're the first to know when we release another episode like this. And if you know anyone who might like this too, be sure to share this episode with them so they can enjoy it as well. We're a new podcast, so your support is really appreciated.